0: And welcome once again to the Before and After Show. As always, I'm your co-host, MJ Smith.
1: I'm another co-host, Ryan Buell. Welcome, sir. Yeah, thank you for having me back. Yeah,
0: we're here to talk Logan, and I am crazy excited!
1: <laughs> hey, bub. Um,
0: but before we do that, we are going to talk about what we've been watching this week. So, Ryan, what have you been watching?
1: Uh, <laughs> honestly, I watched it literally just before coming over. Uh, and uh, In light of having seen Logan, I was inspired to go back and watch... The very first Brian Singer X Men. Oh, so I watched that again, and that was fun. Um, does it hold up? Yes and no. Yeah, like I'm Hugh sure. Jackman is good. He's definitely the star. He's the reason you watch it. Everyone else, uh, Patrick Stewart's good too, I should say, um, which is quite apropos for what we're talking about later. But um, it moves slow. Really? It's like the pacing is just kind of plodding. Like it, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. Like they kind, they move things along. Mm -hmm. but it just feels like there's just disconnected scenes Mm. so there's not it doesn't if it makes sense it doesn't really flow well with what's going on you just Mm kind of feel like this mishmash of disconjointed if that's the right word scenes that make a story um but it is kind of the granddaddy of them all yeah so they, they they were making the genre this type movie genre up as they went along so um but it was fun it was a classic i remember watching that when it came out and loving it and um Hugh Jackman is so freaking young, yeah he is, and he hadn't quite honed his craft yet, but he was really good he yeah. was he was a, a good choice for the role um that's the only th- that's <laughs> that's been a weird week, but that's the only thing I've been able to watch lately, oh finished uh. Ultimate uh, Beastmaster. Oh,
0: I watched part of the first episode of that.
1: And did you like it? It's real dumb, but I like it. It is. It is <laughs> stupid. It's stupid, but it's fun to watch.
0: It, uh, I got irrationally upset when they called the water the blood of the beast. Really? For some reason. I just, I was like, oh, I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> but it plays into the, the stupid well, theme of it all and Kristen was like i mean it's red and i was like they dyed that water red and then you can see they have lights under it and i was yeah. like oh okay that's way better yeah <laughs> um that would yeah be a pain to get out. it's just real dumb but yeah. it's easy to watch mm-hmm. it's really easy to watch Ah. Uh, I started watching Batman the Animated Series because it's all on Amazon Prime.
1: That's right. Also, you've never officially seen yeah. them before. That's yeah. right. What do you think?
0: Uh, I've only watched one episode. I watched it this morning, and I really liked it. Uh, it's an intense-ass kid show, man. <laughs>
1: it is. It's kind of like you wonder how they pass it off for kids, but they it, did, and it's amazing.
0: Yeah, and then... Also, like, it looks expensive. Like, it just looks like it costs a lot of money to produce every episode.
1: Mm. Um, That's WB, back in the day. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, also, Batman said, what's up, Doc?
1: Did he? I yeah. forgot. Was yeah. Bruce Wayne? Or? Uh,
0: nope. Maybe. I don't remember. Maybe it was as Bruce Wayne.
1: I feel like that sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, I thought that was funny. And then... I watched a movie called Rashomon, which is an Akira Kurosawa film from 1950. We were going to talk about it on the YouTube show next week, but having watched it, um, spoilers for the YouTube show or cross pollination, as it were, mm-hmm. um, we're going to be talking about samurai movies and Westerns and how they influenced Logan, uh, specifically. Um, and to a certain extent, the Wolverine with, uh, the previous installment in yeah. the Wolverine franchise. And, Um, it's not we're probably not going to talk about Rashomon because it's not quite a samurai movie even though it kind of I feel like it comes up a lot it's a movie that happens to have a samurai in it and it's really good it's about basically they come across the these people come across the body of a dead samurai and have to go testify against it and so you get the story of Um, the man who found the body, a monk who, no, the monk wasn't, I don't remember why the monk was there. Um, the bandit who, uh, did the crime, the guy who found, who captured the bandit, the woman, um, who was the samurai's wife, and the samurai himself gets channeled through a medium, uh, mm. and you get to hear his side of the story too but it basically focuses on the bandit the bandit raped the wife and murdered the samurai and it's them kind of trying to get to the bottom of why so it's almost like feudal law and order um mm-hmm. but you kind of hear like all the different perspectives and like the way the truth kind of shifts between each story and like some of them are wildly different and some of them are are mostly the same, but there's a few things that don't quite line up and like you kind of end up questioning why they don't line up. And it's interesting because it's a movie about what the truth is and how people tell different versions of the truth. Mm -hmm. Um, and how it can get twisted as people relay the same story and what their uh, perspectives can bring to that or what they would leave out based on how it would serve them. Mm. And it starts to end on like a really dark cynical note and then doesn't. And I really like that because it's like a bummer. And in the last two minutes becomes not a bummer. And I really like the way he brought it. Like, I mean, right to the edge of just being like, Oh man, like I need a nap. Uh, But then brought it back to like, no, like there's still like, there's still something worth, like, fighting for, basically. And I really liked that. Mm. Um, it's The tonal control of the movie is crazy. I totally see why Kurosawa is considered to be, like, a master. Um, I thought it was going to be one of those, like, old Japanese movies that I don't really get. But no, I totally locked in, and, and I really liked it a lot. Mm. Uh, and then for work kind of i started writing for a website called keithlovesmovies.com i've written one review over there and that review was of the shack uh the the love shack please nope
1: dang it uh the reason
0: (laughs) uh you're gonna get even more bummed out when i tell you i willingly chose the shack uh one logan was taken um for for the weekend which i figured would happen and uh my other options were some movie i'd never heard of that wasn't even gonna play here the Shack um Before I Fall which is that teeny bopper like time travel groundhog oh, day movie Yeah um and uh, this movie called Table 19 which is like a wedding comedy with Anna Kendrick in oh, it yeah. that I hadn't even heard of until earlier that day Yeah I chose the shack because we talked about on our silence episodes we're both Christians and uh, I chose the shack because I figured that would probably not be more in my wheelhouse because I like the truth Mm -hmm. Um, but (laughs) more like I would be able to have a more clear perspective on it than like a romantic comedy starring Anna Kendrick and it would it would give me I would have like a unique perspective on it because I do like believe in technically what the movie is marketed to And so, so I figured I would approach it from that angle. And, uh, like, I'm not glad I saw it. Yeah. But I, man, that movie is cuckoo bananas. It's a terrible movie. Like, base level, base level, it's a terrible movie. Sam Worthington sucks. I thought he was good in Hacksaw Ridge, but fool me once, Sam Worthington, shame on you. (laughs) Fool me twice, shame on me. Um, he's terrible. He just drops his accent left and right for Mm. no reason. Like he's Australian and it just comes through. He's had a problem with that his entire career. Uh, I mean, it looks better than most of those Christian movies. It's got a little more sheen on it. Uh, but you know, at a certain point it becomes and a turd (laughs) and, uh, you know, like for as not true as the things presented in the movie are, Um, Octavia Spencer, who plays the black female god, uh, god the father, um, (laughs) she, like, whenever it has to, like, get emotional, she's a really, like, she's won Oscars and stuff, she's not a bad actress, so, like, when the emotional stuff has to happen, she's really good at it, like, her performance is really good, but, like, it's all kind of empty, like, it's, the whole thing is kind of empty. Uh, also, God tells him that he doesn't have, that wrath is not one of his traits, so that was neat and fun and good and cool. Uh, yeah, it was, movie's nuts. That movie was buck wild. Also, a 13-year-old murders his father at the beginning of this movie.
1: What?
0: Yeah, okay. Before, before, I'm just gonna give you the run-up to before it even says, like, The Shack as the opening credits. This dude is abused by his father, who's an alcoholic, but also an elder in the church. He goes and tells the elders, the other elders in the church, that his dad is abusing them. The other elders take the correct course of action uh, and at least, well, we don't know, but they at least talk to the dad. And the dad uh, beats him and then his mom either leaves without him or kills herself. The movie isn't explicitly clear about which one. Weirdly, I'm way more okay if she killed herself because it would be super effed up to leave this guy and just leave your kid behind too. Um, so I'm pretty sure she kills herself, and then the kid decides that he's gonna poison his father's alcohol and run away from home. So he does, and faces absolutely zero legal consequences for that. Um, then, uh, he becomes an adult, uh, and he's married with three kids, and he takes the three kids on a camping trip, and, uh... The kids are... Too, so the setup to to it is he's his youngest daughter is sitting at a picnic table coloring. And his two older kids are on a canoe in the middle of the lake. The daughter stands up on the canoe. The canoe tips over and the kid, the son, almost drowns. So he runs into the water, dives in, goes to save his kid from drowning. Saves his kid from drowning, comes back, and his youngest is missing from the picnic table. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they find um, her dress and blood spots in a shack in the middle of the woods. And so they never find a body, but it's assumed that uh, she has been raped and murdered. So before the movie, that's all before the movie says the shack and the movie starts proper. Like a woman commits suicide. There's child abuse. There's spousal abuse. A kid murders his father. I feel like the movie doesn't camp out about that enough. Uh... (laughs) Oh, and then, man. like, a kid almost drowns and then another kid gets raped and murdered to death. And this is, like, the feel-good Christian movie of the century? What even? The, mm. uh, it was bananas. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then... The shack in question is the shack where they find the dress and the blood spots. And that's where he has to go meet with God a second. Like, that's where he has to go, like, meet with the Trinity or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, what? Like, God is just like, hey, show up to this scene of this horrific crime so that there can be forgiveness. And I totally understand, like... If your loved one dies in a certain hospital, you know, you would probably avoid that hospital. Or if they died in a certain room of your house, like, I know people who have moved because of that. But this is a random shack in the middle of, like, there's literally no reason to ever go back there. It's so, like, what? It's crazy, man. Mm -hmm. It's so crazy. And then the movie ends, and they don't catch the killer. There's just still a pedophile running around at the end of this movie.
1: I have no words other than I'm sorry you chose to watch it. I would have rather seen Table 19. Myself. Oh my
0: goodness. That movie <laughs> was wild, yo. It was it was out of control. I was like this is insane. Like this has mm-hmm. got to be the most insane thing I've ever seen. Yeah. And uh Tim McGraw's in it. That's surprising. Oh my goodness. What even is this movie? Uh
1: yeah it's
0: it was nuts dude no. it was so nuts jesus told him that he's not looking for followers he's looking for family and friends no <laughs> he
1: didn't need family and friends i'm looking for friends yep go to facebook i'm lonely
0: faster. i'm a lonely savior
1: <laughs> <laughs> i can't be your friend lala. La pretty much what he could be singing oh, oh man the movie crap. was crazy it was that's so
0: crap. crazy uh god the father tells him that humans are created to be loved by god uh rather than to worship god um
1: it sounds very self-serving as i yep thought that movie would be yep
0: sure is it I was made crazy you
1: so that i could love. it sounds like joel olstein wrote it yeah 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 yeah, yeah
0: for sure <laughs> for sure uh OPS oh, turns out he never made it to the shack. He got into a car accident and was in a coma for three days. Uh,
1: <laughs> spoilers. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> your your rage makes me happy. Oh my gosh, that
0: movie, dude. Oh that freaking movie, dude. It was so bananas.
1: I can't, well, let, to, to cleanse the palate, let's talk about some movies we actually like. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> on
0: that note, we'll move into our top five. We'll move on to our top five. It's going to be real fun compressing that part of the podcast from just screaming into the mic. Uh, like Infowars. or something. It just something. turned the It sucked!
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> just become
0: the John Lovitz critic from the 90s cartoon.
1: It stinks! <laughs>
0: you should totally do that. So, our top five. (laughs) Our top five is, uh, because Logan is, like I said, a a samurai western, we're going to talk about, we were originally going to talk about our top five favorite superhero movies, but then I decided that I didn't like that topic as much, and so we're going to talk about our five favorite westerns. Um, which i'm very excited about so ryan want to start us off
1: yeah uh, my number five is a classic it actually gets a little bit of love a little bit of a scene in a back to the future three and that is the good the bad and the ugly mm-hmm. the uh, kind of classic scene that our uh, classic movie with clint eastwood his his last role as the um
0: the man the, with no name the man with
1: no name the spaghetti western trilogy kind of closing it out and I think it might be a prequel to the other two. I never was clear on that. Um, but yeah, great, great Western. Um, funny uh, premise. And been copied a bunch. Uh, really good kind of homage to that was uh, The Good, The Bad, and The Weird. The, uh, Korean film. That's just amazing. But uh, yeah, Good, The Bad, and The Ugly is my number five. Nice.
0: Um, my number five is Stagecoach. It's spelled that way. It's got an exclamation point at the end.
1: <laughs> if you were asleep, you're awake.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um,. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's real good. It's actually, if you watched unlike like the Hateful Eight, you should watch Stagecoach. It's basically the same movie. The first 30 minutes of Hateful Eight is basically Quentin Tarantino's Stagecoach. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just about a group of people traveling across the trails and, uh yeah that's about it like that's that's basically it and then high drama ensues john wayne is super young it's one of his first movies
1: john wayne movie
0: yeah uh but uh, yes and no like Um, it's
1: a small role yeah
0: he's i mean he's in it a lot but it's not like a care a main character piece it's an ensemble piece so he's not like he's not like the focus of it but he's in it a lot um Mm. it's it's real good um so if you haven't seen that stagecoach no,
1: nice uh speaking of john wayne Uh, My number four is True Grit. Hmm. Uh, It's a movie I grew up watching. It's one of my dad's favorite movies, so I just kind of grew up loving it. Uh, I really love the new version a lot. Actually, that's the one I own. But the original with John Wayne has just got a special place in my heart. That's your uh,
0: dad's favorite movie, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that one and, like, Gettysburg are two of his, like, top favorites. Hmm.
0: Uh, my number four is 310 to Yuma, the James Mangold version. I actually mm. have not seen. I've seen part of the J- the John Ford one. Um, but, yeah, I love that movie. Uh, I loved it when it came out. I saw it, like, three times in theaters. I own it. Christian Bale's amazing in it. Uh, Russell Crowe's amazing in it. It's Ben Foster. Ben Foster's amazing <laughs> in it. He is real good in that movie. It's uh, it's It's a heck of a movie, man. I think that thematically there's a lot going on there. Yeah. And I just think... I think it's solidly made all the way around. Um, So, yeah, my number four is 310 to Yuma.
1: Nice. Uh, My number three is one of the classics. Um, All these are classics, but this is uh, one of my favorites. Um, uh, Another Clint Eastwood, A Fistful of Dollars, the Mm. first in the Spaghetti Western trilogy that he made, the one that uh, was inspired by a Japanese film, I believe? Mm -hmm. Yojimbo. Yojimbo, yeah um and it's just a really good film it's uh, you watch it and the dubbing is weird because if i recall from a documentary no one on the cast spoke a single language they had like italians russians french and then of course english with mm-hmm. Clint Eastwood. so they just dubbed over everything so but that kind of adds to the charm of the film that's kind of uh one of the classic things about it but yeah really really good one fistful of dollars
0: nice my number three is uh at was at one point my favorite film of all time tombstone oh yeah. uh, man i love that movie uh just a really good ensemble cast it's super dope action directed by the same guy who directed rambo first blood part two i believe Oh. george picastamos uh yeah uh kurt russell's amazing in it Val Comer's incredible in it like it's it's Oh, gosh, I love that movie. It's just so watchable, man. Like, it's just, it's so easy to get sucked into and watch. Yeah. Uh,
1: Number two. Uh, My number two. uh, Kevin Costner uh, directed and starred in this movie called Open Range. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, Really good movie. Very, I think the complaint I hear most about it, and it's a valid complaint, is it does move very, very slow. And it
0: is long.
1: It's a very long, slow movie, but to me, it's... The shots he gives and kind of that, that classic Western feel. like I feel like he really captured that well. And the shootout at the end is amazing. Just, to me, a, an homage to classic Western movies. And in a genre that, you know, Kevin Costner should stay in. Yes. More often than not. Yes. He
0: was kind of genetically engineered to be in and make Westerns. Yep. <laughs> um My number two is uh, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance.
1: I don't think I've ever seen that one. Really? Yeah. I've oh, John
0: Wayne and Jimmy Stewart? Mm. It's so good, man. And that one actually is about how legends are made and uh fabricated, basically. Mm. Um, and kind of learning the truth behind all that. Um, once again, it's it's actually very similar to rashomon I don't know how far apart they were made. Mm. Um they both are from around the same time. But yeah, Jimmy Stewart is very good in it, and John Wayne is very good in it, and That is one of those catch it on TV and watch it to the end movies for me, man. Like, yeah, uh, Jimmy Stewart's probably my favorite old actor to begin with, and so him in a western opposite John Wayne, like it just works. Um, You you should watch it if you
1: haven't seen it, man. It's yeah. It's really good. Um, all right, number one, Ryan. My number one, uh, Clint Eastwood has dominated this particular list of mine. Uh, my number one uh, is uh, his uh, movie called The Outlaw Josie Wales.
0: Oh, the first movie he ever directed.
1: Mm-hmm. His first uh, directorial debut. Um, love it. It's got so many classic lines in it, one-liners. You know, you're gonna pull, you gonna draw that gun. or we gonna, you're gonna whistle Dixie? And um, I think he met his first wife on that particular film. Uh, just. Good storytelling, you know, good, just a solid western. And I, I, I always, whenever that's on, I enjoy watching that one. So that's my number one. An honorable mention for me would be Heller High Water. Oh yeah, because I claim that as a modern day western. Yeah, it definitely is. But.
0: It definitely is. My number one is also True Grit. But, the 2010 version.
1: 2010 version, yeah. yeah uh,
0: I saw that one first. I love that movie top to bottom. I think it's so smartly written mm-hmm. and uh, just so good. Um, it's, I mean, the Coen Brothers are great as it is. It's... I think it's a very accessible Coen Brothers movie. Um, I don't think you have to... I don't think it's one you have to see more than once. Uh, It's one you should see more than once because there's a lot going on. But I think you can get it pretty straight down the middle uh, just watching it the one time. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it's a really, really good movie. Um, Matt Damon's great in it. Matt Damon? I, I think Matt Damon is kind of the underrated... The unsung hero of True Grit as LaBeef. He
1: plays the part very well. Yeah. uh,
0: Also, it has one of my favorite scenes of all time when the crazy dentist guy comes out of the woods (laughs) and wants the dead body for the teeth. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And a bottle of expectorant. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah, the Coen (laughs) Brothers
0: True Grit, man. It's so good. (laughs) Barry Peppers in that movie.
1: Yeah. Uh, who the heck are you? The uh, where he sees the dentist for the first time. Isn't that what he says to him? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's, uh, that and, like, when beef gets tired of the girl mouthing off and he just starts spanking her and, like, Jeff Bridges comes, I don't remember what he says, but he comes by and he's basically like, so you're just gonna let a little girl get the best of you that way? Like, you're just gonna let that happen. All right. He's like, we gotta get a move on. Um... <laughs> man i love that movie i really want to go watch that movie now
1: (laughs) it's a good one
0: yep uh i'm gonna we're gonna take a short break and we'll be right back to talk about logan
1: nope wrong thing
0: nope (laughs) metal skeleton though (laughs) yes you can see where i was going to talk about Logan. Last week we talked about how excited we were. It's the third uh, film in the Wolverine trilogy, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. Standalone X-Men movies. The only other character who has standalone X-Men movies is Deadpool. Mm-hmm. Um, he will very likely get his own trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know for a fact now that a second one is on the way. Yeah. Um, and so this was kind of the end, the, the capper to uh, Hugh Jackman's performance as Wolverine. It, uh, you know, this is, he said this is the last time he's playing this character. Uh, Patrick Stewart has said this is the last time he's playing Professor X. It's the year 2029. Logan's getting real old. He's like 150 or something. (laughs) And, uh, his body's starting to shut down. And he's got to rescue this girl, uh, who was created in a lab from his DNA. Um, he's got to take her to a safe haven called Eden in North Dakota, and he also is bringing Charles Xavier along for the ride. Xavier is advanced in age now. He's got Alzheimer's, um, and he's got these seizures that are, uh, causing these powerful psychic events if they go unchecked. And, um, so it's, it's a grittier tone than we're used to, I think, with these X-Men movies. It's really dark, um. And it's ba- that's basically it. Like, it's just yeah. like them on the road to this place. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's all there is to the plot, really. Mm-hmm. Um, we have said it's his final performance, uh, as, as Logan. I mean, spoilers, I get like hint, hint. I don't like, it's, <laughs> if, you, it if you, if you don't see this coming, you, I, you shouldn't be watching movies, basically. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so that's that's it. This is the send-off for the character. It is R-rated. It is super R-rated. It earns
1: uh, it. It earns it. Yeah,
0: yeah, it does. Um, And that, that's, you know, that's the cap. It's directed by James Mangold, like we said, who directed The Wolverine and Walk the Line and uh, 310 to Yuma that we talked about. Um, Ryan, what did you think about Logan?
1: Uh, I'll, give the re- I'll give the response that I gave when I, I, I let a friend of mine know, another friend of mine know, that I just finished watching it. Uh, and he said what I thought of it. And I said, well, I'm still wiping away the tears in my eyes. So good. Um, I loved the movie. Uh, hands down. Absolutely loved it. It was a worthy send-off for the character. It had... It was dark. Man. Super dark. Super bleak. Very bleak. Very hopeless uh, feeling. But it needed to be that. Because you, you felt for this character and just everything. Um... I'm kind of at a loss for words, other than I just, it was well done, and it hit all the emotional beats for me that I felt like it needed to hit, Um, violent as anything, and kind of a horror movie in certain places. Uh, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, straight up, straight up that. Um, But no, it was, it was amazing. It was that classic... One more once more into the breach, kind of a thing, but a very simple storyline,
0: yeah, it is hands down, uh claws down, the best, best. x men movie, yeah, like they like it is head and shoulders above any of the best x men movies, like pick your favorite x men movie. It's better. this is better <laughs> um by a lot yeah it's uh it's one of the all time great superhero stories uh put on film. It's gonna be something that we're talking about years from now. People are calling it the new Dark Knight. I don't necessarily agree with those comparisons because where the Dark Knight is this grand, sweeping, operatic, epic about Batman, this is a really small movie. It's It's
1: very personal. It's very
0: personal. It's really intimate. There's a lot of character moments. There's a lot of what I like to call eyeball acting, where Mm -hmm. like there's just emotions conveyed in just the way someone's eyes can change in a scene. Yeah. Um. The performances across the board are incredible. Uh,
1: everyone did amazing. The little girl.
0: Daphne Keene?
1: Yeah. Oh my goodness. I uh, was talking to Lisa. Um, I I think she's amazing. She, I think she's got a great... If she does, she has a good career. I kind of hope that she doesn't make any more movies. Okay. And I, I know it sounds weird having said what I said before. But I'm afraid if she gets into it young, she's going to turn out like most hollywood actors which is bad crap crazy yeah um and i don't want that because she looks like such a sweet like amazing actress young actress
0: uh can i flip that for you though yes sir mangle did say he wants to do an x-23 movie with her
1: okay never mind (laughs) (laughs) everything i just said forget it i want to see an x-23 movie yep
0: with her is there plans to advance it he said that if the uh, if it came about he would not he would entertain the idea okay um so he he, i mean he just came off of letting this one into the world so it's hard to ask yeah it's hard to ask a creator uh about that uh so close to releasing their last project but he said that like if he he would do it basically um like or that he isn't opposed to doing it yeah um so yeah that would be sweet yeah it it would be a real good i
1: left it that way but your thoughts man I, I can't be i'm not that articulate right now
0: oh my gosh uh, like i said it is hands down the best x-men movie the performances across the board are amazing hugh jackman in this movie is i'm i mean he's unleashed man like yeah. it, I, I, on every level um you know i think it's the performance he's been wanting to give for 17 years and mm-hmm. no one's been up to get the challenge of giving him the material to do that yeah um I think it proves that superhero movies don't always have to be world enders, um, mm-hmm. you know, and people vying to destroy the earth. As a matter of fact, I, you know, I watch this movie on the heels of the Batman trilogy and this so like i am screwed up for guardians of the galaxy like immediately Mm -hmm. um which which you know are these big like you we have to save the galaxy we're the guardians of the galaxy and so you know uh while i'm sure that we will be fine it just like it's already like behind the curve for me because of uh how much i love the dark knight and was just reminded of that and then how good logan is man like Mm -hmm. it's What I tweeted after I saw the movie is Logan feels like it was four hours long. This is not a criticism. Mm -hmm. The movie's only two hours and 15 minutes. I felt like I was in that theater for like three, three and a half hours. I felt like I was in that theater for an eternity. Um, It's just so purposeful. Mm -hmm. Everything about it has a reason. It's motivated. It... It takes its time. It knows when to shut up and let the mm. moment exist. Mm. Um, it's it's a masterclass in genre filmmaking and weirdly blockbuster filmmaking. Like, even the action scenes until the end aren't too crazy, yeah. but they're great. Yeah. Um, the car chase scene where he's, like, dragging the fence around in front of the car is so good. Yeah. And I just love that reversal of him being like, hang on! And they just ram into the fence and nothing happens. Yeah. Um, the scene where he's having the psychic event in the... Las Vegas? Yeah. Or wow. in Oklahoma City. At oh, the Harrison, yeah. Oklahoma City. Yeah. And it's like the slow-mo action scene. I was like, I have never seen this before. Like, it was crazy. Yeah. um, Man, the movie is so good. I wanted to see it. I want to see it a second time, for sure.
1: Yeah. Um, What'd you think of uh, the evil clone, Logan? Okay, so, yeah. we meta we'll, kind of behind that, almost. We'll
0: get into that, yeah. Uh, so, the big bad of the movie is really X-24, which is just a straight-up clone of Logan. It's younger, better, faster, stronger, more productive, doesn't eat too much. Um, and it's like the indestructible indestructible, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's the T-1000 of, of Logan's universe. When he first showed up, I thought it was Liev Schreiber, and they had, like, it was Sabretooth from X-Men Origins. Mm. Uh, that they had turned into Wolverine mm-hmm. because of the way his hair is. Yeah. But um. Yeah, I think that I really liked it. Um, one of the things of the movie is he carries around this adamantium bullet that he's going to use to kill himself. Uh, he makes no bones about it, um, because they're made of adamantium, and he. <laughs> that was dumb. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> he he is very clear. Like this is the intent for this bullet. And in a way he ultimately does have to kill himself Mm. in order with the bullet in order for the rest of mutant kind to carry on X-23 shoots him with the bullet. Um, I figured that would happen. Uh, I didn't know X-23 would do it. I figured he would do it, especially because he has a line about how he doesn't like guns that much.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but when he showed up, when X-24 showed up, I thought they were just going to have a showdown at that farm. And then that would be the end of the movie. Yeah. And then it kept going. That's what I mean. What I mean. Like it felt like we went on a journey. With these characters man. Yeah. Um, You know. And the way. The movie is set up. Is really weird. In a good way. But like the story. Doesn't kick in. Until like. Almost 40 minutes. Into the movie. It seems like. Like. Yeah. They don't find out about. X-23. Or. What's going on. At the lab. um, Because. They like they're just doing their own thing. And then this girl kind of comes in and wrecks their lives. And that's the beginning of act two is the girl showing up. And that's when we get like the story proper. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was really interesting. It was just like structurally, it was really, it kept me, it was off balance, but in a good way, like it kept me intrigued. It kept me like wanting to poke around and see what was going on. Yeah. Um, The way it chose to reveal that with the uh, immaculately shot and edited iPhone footage. Yeah. Could have been better, but that's a minor nitpick. Um, It's a movie about character moments, not about information, which is what Mangold said. One of the things we learn uh, over the course of the movie is Xavier's Alzheimer's seizures had a major event at the uh, school and killed all of the remaining X-Men except for himself and Logan. Logan. We don't see that, we don't get too much information about that at all. And when asked about that, James Mangold said that like there's there's certainly drafts of it that exist with flashbacks, but ultimately we wanted to tell a story that was about characters and drama and not information. Yeah. And perfect. Like that's that's an incredible quote from a master filmmaker, I feel like. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I mean, do you have anything else to say? Yeah,
1: well, to, to that, I mean, that's the, the big thing I've been hearing from quote-unquote nerds, is the nerd rage about, well, we, where's the information dump stuff? You know, about what mm-hmm. happened at the school, and why are we at this point in time, and da 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 But, I mean, you summed it up perfectly with what James Manigold had to say about And it fits. The movie was about characters. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about the plot. The plot was a vehicle... that we could see these characters grow and kind of see the man Logan who is this broken beat up man who one of my favorite scenes was where they're at they make it to the refuge where all the mutant children Mm -hmm. were uh, that were being made and he wakes up, and X-23 is looking at him, and she had a nightmare, and she she has nightmares about things that people do to her, mm-hmm. and he relates to her, I have nightmares too, but it's about the things I do to mm-hmm. other people, and this man's just tortured, and I love how he's just like, I'm not, you don't want to be with me, you don't want to be around me, I just, everything I love dies. Yeah. Um, and I liked that moment where she kind of says, well, then I should be fine, and walks away, and she cries, because... The whole movie, all you want her to say is "Daddy." All you just want acknowledgement, mm-hmm. but you don't get that for the first and the middle half of the movie. It's not until Logan is literally bleeding out, dying, and the little girl gives this amazing performance of just weeping there, and that she finally says, "You know, Daddy, I was bawling like a baby when that hit." Cause I was like, "Yes, that's that's the emotional punch it needed." Yeah. Because both characters were are gruff. They don't want to admit their feelings or emotions. But it was in that one moment you saw Logan as he truly was, which was a hero. Yeah. And he gave everything for this little girl, even though he technically was a selfish SOB, if you will. Right. Um. And I love that journey we got to go with him because the whole, he's going kicking and screaming the whole time. Yeah. He does not want to save this girl. (laughs) He just wants to get on a boat and chill out for the rest of his days uh, or just die. But the thing that keeps his, the thing that keeps Logan going, and that's true from the first X-Men movie all the way to this point, is people, is caring about someone other than himself. Mm -hmm. And that's true of the character. And I love that that's the note he ends on is i care about this girl who is in fact my daughter i don't know how to love her as a father i just found out like a week ago this so i will love her in the only way i can which is uh like uh what was that movie that you know he said i'll give you all that i got Bloodfather mm-hmm. with mel gibson that same thing but on a higher level yeah sense. like literally the immortal saying i'll die for you
0: that and like The reason Wolverine is gruff is because he's lived too much life, and the reason X23 is gruff is because she hasn't lived enough. Yeah. Um, You know, she. One of my favorite little things in the movie is she kind of keeps acquiring these things of childhood as she melds more into this weird family that is Xavier yeah. and, and Logan, like she gets the little girl sunglasses and like the junk food at the convenience store. And then she gets an iPod later. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, she's got her comic books and like, I just liked that she was, she, as this was going on, she was discovering what it is to truly live a life. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like a major theme in the movie, right? Cause they end up going to this farm, um, and Xavier tells him like this is what life is, Logan. You should you still have time to live it, um, you know. Because they just meet this like happy family who's farming and, yeah. and you know trying to make do and you know they love each other. They don't have a lot, and the little they do have is kind of being squashed on. And um, but it's still a much better existence than anything yeah. Logan has going.
1: And so but the tragedy with that though. No, sorry to to interrupt, mm-hmm. but the tragedy with that though is Logan's right every time. We shouldn't be here. We're in danger. Like, Mm. even though the lessons he's learning is good and he should take that time, that whole family gets wiped out because he's there. Everything he loves is wiped out because he's there. So it's not just like, you know, he thinks that it makes it happen. This guy's just surrounded by death. Yeah. Like, nothing good happens around people that are close to him. So... He's a gruff character for a very good reason. He's mm-hmm. had his heart broken again and again and again and again and I again. I mean, he's got
0: that great line where he's like... Just, he
1: just is fed up with this girl
0: wanting affection from him. He's like, look, bad shit happens to people I care about. Like, I don't know what else to say. Like, I'm at my wits end. This is... Th- like, this is all I have left to say. Yeah. Basically. And she, that's where she's like, well, then I should be fine. Yeah. Because, like, he's... she's basically is like, well, you don't care about me, so then I'll be fine. Yeah.
1: But then that again that gets flipped by saying no i (sighs) fuck that moment where he injects that green stuff into his Mm -hmm. neck and you're just like oh crap
0: berserker mode and it
1: is it's everything that scene needed to be just him raging out ripping guys to shred and i like this scene where she's running away she's killed a few suckers of her own and then she hears uh, her father's roar and you almost get this glimmer of like oh yeah daddy's coming to save me you know not not quite that cheesy but just that that recognition of my father has come for me Mm -hmm. that stuff you know i mean we've talked about this father daughter father son stuff i grew on that yeah all day long and this movie had it it was subtle Mm -hmm. it wasn't like in your face like father daughter thing but it was there enough for me just to latch on and be like yeah yeah i love that stuff
0: um i want to talk about patrick stewart Oh, my goodness. Wow. Wow. You know, this also is Patrick Stewart's final performance as uh, Professor X, X, uh, which also should let you know about his fate Mm -hmm. in the film. I figured it would happen. I did not figure it would happen the way it happened. Yeah, it was really kind of jarring. (laughs) Yeah. uh, He gets stabbed to death by X-24, and i thought he would just die of being old uh you know i figured his brain would turn on him um i really liked that theme that they put on him of like the world's greatest brain is now the world's biggest weapon of mass destruction and yeah. just like this thing that he's utilized for so long is now turning on itself yeah. um because it's too powerful yeah. that's intense man like Damn. that is intense uh if you've ever seen anyone struggle with dementia or alzheimer's like even, you know, they don't have to be like the world's best mathematician or anything, but just like, you literally utilize your brain for everything you do always. And so, to watch it kind of turn in on itself is a little Mm -hmm. heart-wrenching. But, man, he's so good. Uh, I really loved the scene where he's just like pretending to be uh, more advanced than he is and he's going on and on about Taco Bell. Um, (laughs) And then he's just like really crappy to Logan. Like, he's just pissed off at him the whole time yeah um and like you know i had heard that professor x like swore up and down the movie and i was like "Ah, i don't know about this but then like it ruled like (laughs) and that was the thing is like with the exception of maybe him getting flashed by the 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 bridesmaid but even that i would say had a function the r-ratedness of it all works like it all makes sense like it's all it's not it's
1: not deadpool excess right of an r rating it's like this the like the scene you're talking about right there, the the flashing scene. It's just to kind of show this guy's life as an was he an Uber driver basically? He was like a like a like a luxury Uber driver. Luxury Uber driver. It's just kind of showing where he's at. Yeah. Which by the way, the beginning of that movie what a great way to say it's <laughs> gonna say to put your balls on the table, but you know, just put it, stick it out there, and be like, "This is the movie." Yeah. This is this is the tone. This is what you're gonna expect. Well,
0: the first line of the movie is him just saying the f word. Yeah. Like that's the first thing that gets said is he's yeah. just like he's snapping in the back of his car and he's just like, and he like gets up and straight murders a bunch of fools. Yeah.
1: But still sticking to the character, he's like, "Guys, I don't want to kill you." Yeah. But then they just nope and.
0: Yeah. and and like that's what I'm saying is like everything is motivated but, like you understand why Professor X is frustrated with Logan and why he would like be like well f you man like you yeah. just stuck me here with this
1: albino yeah. um do you think he really thought of him as a disappointment or was that more of the dimension of stuff talking
0: I think that he didn't think of him as a disappointment I just think that he I mean, he was just the parent that was worried about his kid. He wasn't necessarily disappointed, but he was like, "I know you can do better." Yeah.
1: Um,
0: you know, it, it, it's it, it, it's not quite prodigal son, but not quite you know the favored son either. It's just yeah. like I kn- I I not only do I know you can do better, I want better for you. Yeah.
1: Um, he definitely was Logan's father figure in this movie. Mm-hmm. This, this this could be say fathers and, and daughters. You could say. And I think that might be, i know it might be a little bit off, but I think that might be what Logan was referring to when he, as the father, he was dying and his daughter was there. I think that's what he was referring to when he said, so this is what it must have felt like Mm. when when Professor X took his last breath in the back of the truck Mm -hmm. and Logan was standing there. Mm -hmm. I think that was like a foreshadowing of what's going on here, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I took it as more like this is what dying feels like cuz he's mm. never been even close to dying. Yeah. Um when you know his cohorts have all died. Yeah. Um you know he's just seen so much death that yeah. he now knows what the sensation of it is. Yeah. Um but it could be both. You yeah. know, there's no reason it can't function as both.
1: Professor Xavier's funeral. That scene, what do you mm. think of
0: that? Uh is that the scene That's where he buries him in the... He
1: buries him and the next 23 holds his hand and he can't even get the words out. Yeah. Like, full on, like, starting to choke up. Yeah. All he says is, like, this place has got lots of water. Like, conveying his just absolute love and adoration for this man who's been a father figure. But what do you say to that? Mm -hmm. I mean, especially when all you know is go, 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 go. When you have to stop, stand still, and look upon the grave of the man. You do see his father. What do you say? Yeah. You know? Yeah,
0: um... Man, so good. This movie's so freaking yeah, good, man. That's amazing. Uh, I guess we'll bring it in for a landing. Uh, he dies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Shocker. Yeah, he dies, and he dies as this group of kids are going from North Dakota across the border into Canada, where they will be safe, um, presumably to go and start the next X-Men, X-Men school. Uh, and he dies... And they bury him. And the final shot of the movie is so freaking good, man. Oh my gosh, the final shot of the movie. So first off, they give him a burial and and Shane is in the movie, uh, like the movie Shane, Mm -hmm. uh, which is an old Western. And there's a monologue that Shane gives at the end of the movie to a little kid as he's riding away. And it's basically about what you do when you have to live with the fact that you've taken so many lives and x-23 recites that monologue at his grave uh and it's oh man it worked like gangbusters and the kids all walk away and there's a cross made of sticks sitting at the uh, as as, uh, kind of a tombstone you know a grave marker of sorts for uh logan's body and x-23 and the rest of the kids leave and uh then x23 comes back and she grabs the cross and she pulls it out of the ground and i thought it was gonna be like a he wouldn't want this because he like i thought it was gonna be like a real cynical thing Mm -hmm. where he wouldn't want this because he didn't believe in a higher power because he was like so gruff and stuff and uh she turns the cross on its side and puts it back down and it's an x above where his grave is and i i was telling you off mic like when it first happened I was like how cheesy is that and then as soon as that thought entered my brain there was just something from like my heart that was like it's not cheesy at all um what do you
1: think that was referring to was it just him as an x-man or
0: um yeah I think so I think it was I think it was referring to him fully embracing what it means to be an x-man um and like how he was that no matter how hard he tried not to be um like he still you know he still had the core tenets of what the x-men are in him even though he's not acting quote the way x-men are supposed to yeah. you know um and also professor x like it's just a, a call back to him yeah. and and you know that You know that that because honestly, I thought if he did live, he would go into Canada with these kids and become new Professor X anyway. Yeah. Um, and in for a brief moment, he is. You know, while he's at the, he's the only adult with these kids. Um, so I think it it had a lot to do with that. Um, but there was just something about that symbolism that worked, or that imagery, that worked like gangbusters on me. Like, holy crap, man! Just oh, yeah. You know the him coming becoming. Fully becoming an X-Man yeah, uh, is what that moment means. It's so freaking good. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's so freaking good. Also, that last action sequence is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. I did see it without my wife because I was a little bit on a violence reconnaissance mission uh, to see if she'd be able to handle it. And because we kept hearing that it was more violent than John Wick Chapter 2, I still don't think it is. It's gorier, but I don't think it's more violent. Because, mm. like, i feel like, way more people got shot in the damn face. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, it's more brutal. And uh, the whole time, though, I was like, this ain't that violent. Like, it's, it's pretty violent when it's violent, but there's not a ton of action. And then that sequence happened. And a little girl used the earth to explode a man. And I was like oh mm-hmm. all right then
1: yeah that whole shrapnel thing that creeped me out
0: it was so cool though yeah. <laughs>
1: um
0: man i like this movie a lot
1: uh ryan do you have anything to wrap up on no it's amazing go go watch it now oh, <laughs> that's, that's that's my only thing i could say best movie i am curious to see what they're gonna it was a it's um, i'm glad they did it amazing movie but it does kind of pigeonhole the X-Men franchise to be like, this is the end point. What do you do in between? Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of curious what they do with the X-Men movie franchise proper and if they're going to recast Wolverine. Yeah,
0: I don't know. Um, yeah. I was just saw a thing earlier that said, like, maybe the X-Men meta-commentary, like the comic books existing, will be the key to the X-Men's future. I didn't read the article, but I can only assume they were talking about how, like, you know, he's like... Maybe a quarter of it happened, and none of it in that way or whatever. And I'm wondering if he, they're basically going to write off these new X Men movies as the comic books. Mm. Uh, you know, does that make sense? Yeah, uh, like
1: like a meta. That, what you're saying, a meta thing, like yeah,
0: where like First Class, Days of Future Past, and Apocalypse are like the comic books from Logan. Mm. Um, but I kind of hate that. So
1: <laughs> I don't know if it'll be. The, I mean, it could be, but then that would kind of. The timeline's already messed up in the X-Men movie universe. Mm -hmm. But I think that would make it even worse because then how would you explain Professor X being alive without uh, Days of Future Past? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Without that actually being the history of the characters.
0: Yeah. I mean, trying to figure out the timeline is I'm, quantum physics makes way more sense. Like it <laughs> does, the timeline to X-Men doesn't make any sense, but yeah. go see Logan a couple times. It's yes. so good, man. It's, it's so freaking good. Like, I continually have to be seeing the new releases for uh work and I really wish I had time to go see this again but I have to go see Kong this weekend and that looks good but I guarantee it won't be as good as Logan. No, no, it
1: will be fine I'm sure. But... Yeah.
0: Um man, uh you can find me on Twitter at MJSmith891. You can find my writing at wordofthenerd.com. You can find this very podcast on uh iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, BeyondPod if you're an Android user. You can find us on YouTube. Uh, I have a bi-weekly show with uh, Michael Moray where we talk about movies and stuff. Like I said, next week we'll be talking about um, samurai movies and westerns and how they influence Logan. And that's called Real Perspective. This week you can find Corey Tyndall talking about video games over there on his weekly, bi-weekly Game Space uh, series. And yeah, uh, until next time, go watch Logan snicket snicket come on, bub.
1: Do 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 do, do. <Me connaissance.
0: laughs>